eventually you'll find yourself in a situation, maybe with your current family or maybe with your future family, that eventually someone you love, you trust, you have faith in, you thought you raised or brought up to be a certain way, they won't do what you thought they would do. And you'll feel great disappointment and pain and sadness. But eventually you want to sort of sit them down and tell them how it is in your house and honey and buddy and I raised you too and you thought and I thought and didn't we agree on and we could have and you should have and God and the Bible say. And then the world of our imagination, the person falls in their face and says, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. Maybe for you it isn't family, maybe for you it's work or some sort of partnership or other relationship. And eventually somewhere along the way, people don't measure up to your expectations. That the people don't do what you taught them to do or what you thought they would do or what you trained them to do or what you even paid them to do. And we're mad. And we just sort of want them out of our lives until they get their act together. That we're wrapping up a series today called For Everyone Still, looking at the letter written to the Christians in Rome. And part of the reason for the series is that many people outside of the church ask, who is Christianity for? Who is Jesus for? We think the answer is pretty clear that Jesus is for everyone. And Paul, who would write this letter to the Christians in Rome, emphasized this theme over and over again, that the message of Jesus is for everyone and accessible to everyone. Last week we said that everyone looks for loopholes, but loving everyone actually removes the loopholes. And we sort of said that there's a question that we can ask that sort of helps us with this and discerning this. What does love require of me? If you're missing the messages in the series, you can head to our YouTube channel. But today we're going to talk about one of the most difficult parts and most complicated parts of following Jesus. Acceptance. That most people operate the way the world operates. That I'll treat you the way that you treat me. I'll treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. I'll treat you the way that culture says to treat you. But when we become a follower of Jesus, we're invited into a relationship with our Heavenly Father that is completely different. And it's characterized by unconditional acceptance, which is rare in this world. It's characterized by unconditional acceptance. That you're actually sort of invited into something that you don't deserve. Mercy, forgiveness, and grace. And asking the question, how could the God of this universe actually love, forgive me, and accept me? Like, how could that actually happen? If I actually stay focused on that question, for many of us, if we live our lives consistently based on that, we would reflect Jesus in a greater, a much greater way. That's sort of as if God's saying, like, all that great stuff that you have going on with me, I want you to go and then do that for other people. That just as you have been unconditionally forgiven, I want you to forgive. Not, I don't want you to forgive other people because they somehow deserve it or you think they deserve it or not. I want you to forgive because I have forgiven you that I want you to be loving and accepting. I want you to be merciful and graceful. That I don't want you to respond to other people the way that they deserve to be responded to. I want you to respond to people the way that I have responded to you. And as we talk about acceptance for a few moments today, I just wanna be upfront. I'm not gonna be able to answer all your questions about acceptance and the gaps in acceptance. But my intention is to help provide maybe a new lens for some of you and how you view people, particularly the people that you might find unacceptable. And maybe you find them unacceptable because of culture or because they've let you down along the way or because they've hurt you in some way or maybe they just haven't measured up to your expectations. The thing is that I think if we'll begin viewing people the way that God wants us to view people, we'll be able to sort of figure out those most complicated situations and how we should respond in those situations. But apart from viewing people this way, we actually end up rejecting the very people that God may have put 
in our lives. But acceptance and rejection are kind of tricky things because the levels of acceptance and rejection that you've had in your life have impacted your life and your heart. They've impacted the condition of your soul and they impacted the status of your emotions. That where you are today as a student or as an adult has been greatly shaped by the doses of acceptance and rejection that you've had in your life. And to some degree, you are a product of acceptance and rejection. And we really live in a culture where there's very little acceptance and quite a bit of rejection, right? And our hearts and minds, though, are just sort of drawn and attracted to environments and relationships where we feel accepted, which is why many times teenagers sort of opt for the advice of their peers rather than their parents. It's not that their peers are necessarily any smarter, but all of us are far more open to the influence of people who accept us, right? Particularly more than people who are just going to lecture us or somehow reject us. And it's kind of a tricky thing. And some of you are in a very difficult situation because of the family or relationship that you're in, that you're striving to win the acceptance of someone who constantly rejects you. And that has shaped your self-esteem. But this also sort of shapes our view of God, that the level of acceptance and rejection that you've had in your life definitely impacts your view of God. If you grew up in an environment where God and acceptance were sort of synonymous, then that impacted your view of God. If you grew up in an environment where rejection and guilt and threats were sort of synonymous with God, that impacted your view of God as well. That your view of God may have been impacted by your study and your research, but far more so your view of God has been impacted by the doses of acceptance and rejection that you have had in your life. That acceptance and rejection are powerful, powerful things. They shape the human heart, soul, and emotions. So I want you to think about this question. How have the acceptance and rejection you have experienced impacted your view of God today? We are talking about acceptance and rejection and we're looking at a passage in Romans chapter 15. And Romans was a letter written to the Jesus followers living in the capital city of the Roman Empire. And Rome was not a great place to be if you were a Jesus follower during this time because Rome is the place where they burned Christians and fed them to lions. And Nero blamed the burning of Rome on the Christians. And so Paul wrote this letter to the Jesus followers in Rome, sort of challenging them to start developing and learning about this new habit of accepting each other, just as Jesus has accepted them. Which means we sort of have to get rid of the habit of only accepting acceptable people. It means we have to get rid of the habit of only accepting people who measure up to our standards and our expectations. It means we have to stop building a wall around us when someone that we love hurts us. Because our Heavenly Father is telling us, I don't want you just to have the habit of accepting people the way that you want to accept people. I want you to accept people by a different standard. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15, like I said. If you want to open up the Bible app, you can follow along there. You can also jump in the notes section of the chat, or you can just follow along on the screen as well. Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 5, says this. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement. Another way to say that is endurance. And he's writing to people who knew what endurance was. They, they needed encouragement. They needed patience. And so they knew what this was. And he says, May God, who gives you those things, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. And the verses and chapters before this, Paul has been talking about people who are strong in faith and life should live with those who are weaker in faith and life. That no matter if you're a slave or free, whether you're new to following Jesus or you've been following a long time, you should be on the same page together. 
that basically I want you to be on the same page together because you're following the same Savior, Jesus. And if that is true, we should be sort of moving in the general direction, the same general direction together. Continue on verse 6. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That if everyone following Jesus is generally moving in the same direction, it should seem as if we are speaking as with one voice to the world. That we're all sort of in the same unity together, that we're speaking the same message together. And then Paul's going to tell us how we actually do that. Verse 7. Therefore, accept each other. That if there's going to be unity and harmony and we're going to be moving together in the same page together, then the command is really that we should accept each other. And when he says accept each other, it's sort of similar to someone properly catching a football. That you reach your arms out, you receive it, and then you bring it back to yourself. That that is a picture of accepting another person. You reach out, you receive, and you bring them back to yourself. And Paul is saying that this accepting one another is a habit that should be a part of a Jesus follower's life. He continues on, Therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. And when he says just as, this shouldn't surprise us because it's basically the same way that we have been received to the same degree, to the same extent, to the same intensity or sacrifice as we have been received and accepted by Jesus. That's the same degree to which we should be accepting other people. And that's a pretty high standard because some of you think back to when you started following Jesus and you would think, I was not very acceptable at that point. Like I kind of kept putting off following Jesus because I thought I had to change my life first And then I heard that I didn't have to change first, that Jesus would actually accept me first. And then eventually I started to change. So if we're going to accept people the same way that God has accepted us, then we have to sort of learn and develop this habit of accepting people before they change, before they become acceptable. Continue on verse 7. Therefore, accept each other just as God or Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Do you know how accepting others gives glory to God? It's kind of the same way that God was given glory when Jesus accepted you. That when you praise or give glory to someone, it's usually because they went out of their way to do something, did something extraordinary. Because we usually don't praise people for doing the normal sort of average things. We don't give glory to that, right? No one has ever said to their spouse, way to go, you played four hours of video games today. No parents ever said to their kid, way to go, you finished your dessert. Because we don't usually praise people for doing normal things. We praise and give glory to people for doing things out of the ordinary or for doing things above and beyond, sort of going the extra mile in their actions. And Paul says it's a big deal when God, through Jesus, accepted you because you weren't not very acceptable. And it's a big deal when Jesus followers accept another person when that person has hurt you, when that person has disappointed you, because most people don't do that that this isn't cultural, this isn't normal, this isn't natural. Because natural says, go and get your act together first, and then I'll accept you. And God says, I got lots of praise and lots of glory when I sent my son to die for people who weren't acceptable. Now I want you to go and do the same for other people. And so our point for today is that we should accept everyone just as Jesus accepts everyone. That that is really what we are called to do. So, what makes it difficult for you to accept other people? How can God change that in you? If we're going to start this habit of accepting everyone, I think something in us is going to have to change or maybe even die. That essentially we're going to have to stop this, we're going to have to decide not to make a point, but to build a bridge. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I want to win the argument. I want to be right. You didn't do things the way that I taught, told, or brought you up to raise you to be like, and so now I'm going to make that point. And God says, no, I want you to build a bridge. And we say, well, I want to convince them. And God says, no, I just want you to accept them. See, here's how things went, Chris, with you. I didn't decide I was going to try to win an argument with you. I wanted to win your heart. I decided I wasn't going to try to make a point, but I was going to build a bridge. And as I have done for you, I want you to now go and do for those I have put in your life. And the thing about Jesus' life that I think sometimes we get a little bit confused on or we sort of forget about, and I need you to understand the context of what I'm saying is, Jesus didn't come just to make a point or to be right. Now, granted, he could have made the point that he was right about everything because he was right about everything and he was the son of God and so he knew everything. He knew the hearts of men and women. But he didn't come just to show us how wrong we were. Like, that would have been sort of easy. He came to build a bridge. He came to accept unacceptable people. And so it is a little bit complicated, but he says to me, and I think he says to you, that I want you to do this. Your goal isn't to win an argument. Your goal isn't to be right. Your goal is to build a bridge that I haven't called you to convince them. I've called you to accept them. And when we do this, and when that's the lens through which we view relationships, our relationships can be transformed in the same way that God, through the same lens, has transformed many of us, right? That's the same lens through which God looked at us and transformed our lives as well. Accept everyone just as Jesus has accepted everyone. And some of us sort of push back and say, well, well, I want both. <laughs> like, I want to win the argument and win their heart. I want to make a point and build a bridge. I want to convince them and I want to accept them. And I would say maybe you can do both because it seems like that's what God did for us. He was able to somehow do both. Our Heavenly Father was able to do that for us. But if you want to do both, you're going to have to focus on building a bridge rather than making a point. You're going to have to focus on winning their heart rather than winning the argument. You're going to have to focus on accepting them rather than convincing them. And when that becomes the focus, we sort of retain or we sort of gain influence in that person's life that by God's grace, hopefully, we will be able to leverage and at some point help them to change whatever that might be. But it begins with accepting them because that's where it began with accepting your Heavenly Father, accepting you. So part of the reason that this is kind of significant to me is... Um, Many of the situations I've been invited into, whether it was parents and kids or kids and parents or maybe it was grandparents and grandkids or teachers and students or whatever, someone walked into the room right and they said, tell him I'm right, show her I'm right. And I just want to say, okay, but you know that that's not going to be what helps heal this relationship, right? And we sort of all kind of know that. Because while you were still a sinner, your Heavenly Father decided to accept you rather than trying to win an argument. He wanted to win your heart. That rather than making a point, he built a bridge. Now, what if we would do the same thing for the people that God has put in our lives? It's not simple. It is messy, and there are no predictable outcomes. That's just the way it is. You are going to watch people that you love the most and trust the most make horrible decisions. But if you choose to build a bridge and accept them, then maybe, perhaps, no guarantees, God will use that influence to help move them in his direction. So I want to ask you a couple questions. As you think about the situations in your life, the questions that you have about this, because this is very complicated, this is not easy. Here are two questions that I came up, came up with that might help you in determining what you should do. Question number one, 
would this situation or this option, whatever you have, build a bridge or would it create a problem or maybe continue a problem? And for some of you, you're gonna say yes to all those. Number two, could you accept this person doing whatever the options are? Or is there an option that really seems like the one that if you're gonna accept them, that's what you would do? Because if we'll ask the questions, how do I build a bridge? How do I win a heart? How do I accept that person? If that becomes the lens through which we view other people, then we are obeying and following Jesus. And when we do this, we sort of invite him into the outcome of our relationships. Because sometimes I think, and we forget, and think that we're responsible for the outcomes. In reality, we're responsible for loving and accepting people because we are his hands and his feet. And for some of you, this is gonna be really easy. For others of you, this is gonna be excruciatingly difficult. But for all of us, there's someone out there who has the potential to deeply disappoint us and hurt us. And our natural response could be to do the same thing to them. I would suggest rather we should look at this as an opportunity to accept them the same way that Jesus has accepted us. Accept everyone just as Jesus has accepted everyone. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the way that you have accepted us and the way that you remind us of that so many times. For some of us, it's looking back at our past and realizing how unacceptable we were. For others of us, it's realizing that there was nothing that we could do to sort of fix even the little amount of things that we did. And yet, God, we know that you've accepted us for who we are. And then you started to change us and, and do things in our lives that are sort of miraculous and amazing. So God, would you please help us to accept other people? Not so that we'll change them, not even so that you'll change them at some point, but so that we can be a demonstration of your love on this earth, in that person's life. And maybe, God, you'll use that to help change them, and maybe you won't. But God, would you help us to be faithful for what you've called us to do? You've not called us to win an argument. You've not called us to make a point. You've not called us to convince anyone. You've called us and you've invited us in to this opportunity to accept other people just as you have accepted us. So God, this is difficult, this is challenging. There might be someone that's watching this that has way more questions than when they started. God, would you please give them wisdom? Would you please help them to know how to actually live this out? And would you give them the courage to actually do it? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.